introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. And welcome back to another edition of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. We took a little bit of time off there for the long weekend, for the holidays, but we're back. The season is here. Finally have real games to talk about. Can actually get in, dig into some actual numbers, analyze some things, see how wrong we were about the things we predicted this offseason. So with all that said, let's get right to it. Dr. Eric, my man. How you doing? How you been? Things are good, man. I think the Vikings were pretty impressive. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, not as much you can glean from that game, uh, you know, as maybe others just because Atlanta turned the ball over on their first two possessions, basically, and gave the Vikings short field and all that. But, uh, you know, you have to be have to be happy to see what they did um, this weekend against Green Bay. I'm look, kind of looking forward to it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And my man, Nick, back, from what I can tell, playing around with some R, maybe a little shiny, building new uh, statistical <laughs> models for himself and fancy graphics. My man, how you doing? Yeah, viva la data revolution. Uh, it's, uh, it's been good, man. <laughs> that first week of that first week of the NFL was just about like if, if you told me beforehand that was how that first week was going to go, I would have told you you were lying because it's like too good to be true. Like a blowout win, we were the game was over by halftime. I think we had a ninety-eight percent like win percentage um, at halftime, and um, the Bears and the Packers looked awful, and the Lions, famous for their fourth quarter comebacks, had it had it actually taken out on them. So very enjoyable and then that saints texans game was was an instant classic so really good first week of football fantastic first week of football well let's uh, fantastic week especially for us so let's jump into it here because obviously it's week one small sample but i mean the vikings as nick said looked incredibly impressive um the ball bounced their way early they made they made their own luck with some some great plays on defense and uh, and basically just rolled the Falcons. The Falcons looked like they wanted to be anywhere but at that stadium playing that game against our team. And so, uh, Eric, I'll start with you. Um, obviously, we know we were here during the, the Sam Bradford year where, you know, we started off with a lot of turnovers and we're winning games on defense and special teams and all of those things. So when a game like this happens and a team is just that dominant, but they win in a way that maybe isn't as, as sticky or as predictive, like, what is it that we should be looking for? What is it that we can actually take away or learn from this game if we're looking to predict the team's performance as we move forward in the season? You know, I think, you know, some of the things that were, were that will carry maybe a little bit more is the fact that they got pressure, uh, especially against an Atlanta team that's not a disaster up front. Uh, they covered well, especially Xavier Rhodes. That was really good to see. Uh on the offensive line, they struggle in pass protection, not necessarily, um, you know, 
giving up sacks and things like that, but you know, giving up you know pressures or even just getting beat. Uh, you know, at, as as you know, uh, we saw Grady Jarrett kind of have some kind of have some uh, success with the interior offensive linemen. That's not going to get any easier in the next couple of games with Kenny Clark, so on and so forth. Um, so that's you know that's a, uh, a you know kind of a uh, you know some place to look. I think with Kirk, uh, just him being you know efficient is a good thing. But the question becomes is if he's asked to do more things, is that going to be uh, you know a uh, you know a stretch for him? But you know uh, the idea is you know basically there's less to t- glean from it, but the stuff that you, we can glean from it is pretty good. Yeah. So Eric and. You know, I hate to do this to you. I hate to put you on the spot, but obviously you are our man, our inside guy at Pro Football Focus. And every year at the start of the season, something happens due to the very nature of football in general being a small sample type of sport. But week one, you know, it's tiny samples and grades go up and people get upset. So if it's Xavier Rhodes and why is his coverage grade look the way it is or Daniil Hunter and he had this many pressures, but his overall grade is this. But the thing that seems to have gotten everyone the most riled up at this point is PFF really, 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 really didn't love the Vikings pass protection in week one. Um, help me out, man. Like, was it, was it really that bad? Are we really the worst in the league? Um, and is this going to doom the season? Like, help me out. Cause people really seem to be, uh, you know, on the ledge and, you know, with the usual PFF anger and such, what's going on with this? Uh, we're ranked 32 in pass pro. Well, I, I think the big thing is just like sample size. I mean, they didn't have a ton uh, of pass blocking snaps collectively. And so that's always going to like be there. You know, the, the equilibration is not going to happen as easily. So when a couple guys get beat, uh, you know, there's only, you know, there's only a dozen or so passing plays. Uh, that's not going to equilibrate so much. So that's going to be an issue. Um, so, so that, you know, uh, that's kind of one thing. Um, and then the other thing is like, they did get beat a, a decent amount, but you know, to the Vikings credit, they, they did it. They did some things with Kirk, uh, you know, that made it such that they were, uh, you know, able to, uh, you know, get rid of the ball uh, before any of the sort of fruits of the Atlanta pass rush, uh, you know, came, uh, you know, were, you know, were uh, realized. So um, that's yeah, just a couple of things. I mean, honestly, like, you know, our grades mean are meaningful, but the thing about it is, is you have to take them, you know, you have to take them in the proper context. Like if you look, you know, they're, you know, if you look at the Vikings coverage grade, they're a top five team this week. And, and that's a good thing. You look at, you know, basically pass rush, the Vikings were, um, you know, a little weaker than I would have expected. But again, like it's one of those where the coverage was good and the pastors got there late, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I would just not overreact to one game of football. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll, we'll hop over here and, uh, and Nick, uh, I saw you in there, you were doing some stuff, playing around with some, some, you know, EPA and some other things comparing how the, the run game looked from last year versus this year. What was it that you gleaned from all that stuff that you were looking into um, when you started to dig in and, and, and really, Look at maybe some of the differences we're seeing uh, from from the schematic differences and, and some of the moves the Vikings made across the offensive line. Yeah, I think I'm going to be writing an article about schematically what led to the results. But the the, the bottom line is 2018 Vikings were arguably the worst rushing team in the NFL. They, especially under DeFilippo, they they almost never ran the ball. Um, 
and they did it at a very, very, when they did run the ball, it was extremely unsuccessful. Uh, bottom of the league in terms of expected points added and in terms of success rate. So um, they weren't getting explosive plays, and on average, they, you know, the average play was was just moving them back um, in the chains. So it's um, it was really ugly. And then week one, obviously, we saw them run all over Atlanta, especially in the first half. Uh, they were still successful in the second half, but especially in that first half when the game was actually still meaningful, plays snaps were being played. Um, you saw the Vikings go from basically a bottom five rushing team to, you know, very small sample size in week one, obviously, to one of, you know, top 10, top 15 rushing attacks, probably closer to top five, top 10, if you only look at those those first half snaps. Um, so that's obviously very encouraging. Um, and we saw a lot of the Kubiak outside zone stuff, but we saw a good mix of other stuff. We saw, uh, I think Dalvin Cook's first touchdown was actually on a power play, which is kind of the classic man gap scheme um, run. Uh, and, and you saw some some pin pull sweep type things and some down blocks from the tight ends. And it was interesting. It was a lot of zone concepts and a lot of other different interesting mix of things. They were definitely trying to uh, take Grady Jarrett out of the play with their scheme. So it was, um, it was a good game plan in the running game. And uh, the offensive line actually, I thought, blocked really well in the run game. So that was encouraging. It's not just the offensive line. I mean, obviously you had some highlight reel blocks from a few of the guys, but um, the, the the tight ends and the wide receivers too. Bobby Thielen had that, uh, drove a guy into the ground on Cook's second touchdown, which was nice to see. And he saw Pat Elfline pull really well. He saw Garrett Bradbury's quickness on display with the with the reach blocks and the, the combo blocks for the second level. So that was all um Stuff we didn't really see last year and really exciting to see this year. Of course, what really drove, um, I don't want to get too excited over it because what really drove the success was the efficiency in the passing game. Obviously, it's like 14 dropbacks if you include the three taken back by penalty to however many, 30, 40 rushes or something. Um, but it was really those, the Kirk's efficiency in the passing game, which, um, which put point, points on the board, obviously, with the first deal and touchdown, which was the, the crucial one, but also just moving the ball that deep throw to digs and a couple other ones. So, um, all around the offense was impressive. Yeah, so Nick, maybe talk to me about that a little bit more because obviously not a lot of attempts. And, you know, one of the things, you know, our man, you know, Luke Braun, he's always been out there talking a lot about, you know, the, how raw stats or volume stats can end up ultimately being meaningless or tell you the wrong thing about the quality of a quarterback. And so we have a game like this um, in which Kirk obviously isn't asked to do a lot because he didn't need to do a lot. The, Game was decided, as you said, very early, and so we didn't have to put the ball at risk by putting it in the air a lot. But when he was asked to, to to throw the ball, I mean, he did do a good job. When you start to look at things like, you know, his performance from clean pockets, et cetera, and things like that, like he was good in, in those in those facets of the game. Um, so I guess how do we, we we balance that out as we look forward? With he didn't he wasn't asked to do a lot, but when he was asked to do things, he did them pretty well. So how excited should we be about? that performance as we really look at what things are going to look like for us later on in the season. I think you have to caution yourself with a small sample size, you know, 11 dropbacks that uh, weren't taken back by penalty, 14 with penalty. Um, so you're dealing with a very limited data set. And that's also why to touch on what Eric was mentioning, you know, you 11 dropbacks and five were under pressure. Well, if, if you were, you know, 1100 dropbacks on the season and 550 of them are under pressure, you've, <laughs> That's historically bad, so that's where you get your zero grades um, coming in. But obviously, uh, that's not going to happen over a larger sample size. Um, you expect things to sort of regress a little bit to the NFL mean. 
um, for one reason or another. But uh, what we saw from Kirk was extremely good. I mean, he had uh, expected points added per pass of 0.82. That's uh, phenomenal. So he was uh, the third, I think, most efficient quarterback on a per dropback basis up there with Lamar Jackson, who hung, what, 59 on the Dolphins, and Dak Prescott, who obviously looked uh, really, really impressive in, the, in that home opener versus the Giants. So, um, yeah, that was uh, a really, really good stuff. Um, how much of that is going to carry forward? It's hard to say. I mean, they, they were under play action for half of their snaps, I think four out of five out of 11, maybe, um, which is something we saw in the preseason. Um, they were throwing it downfield a lot. You saw that with uh, the deep throw to Diggs. You saw it with the touchdown to Thielen. Uh, Kirk was a little more aggressive into tight windows, but again, you know, when I'm saying like Kirk was doing this, I'm talking about trends of, you know, the, the bucket, the data set is like two or three plays. So, um, tough to draw too much from a small sample size, but what we did saw like won the game for the Vikings on offense a lot. So, uh, that was great to see. Awesome. And Eric, can you maybe talk to me a little bit about, you know, defense? Cause obviously that is one of the things we talk about a lot. Defense isn't as sticky as offense. So obviously you want to see that your, your offense playing well, because that's more likely to predict how you do later on in the season. Offense was efficient. Defense generated a lot of turnovers. Are there elements of the defense that you mentioned pressure, you mentioned coverage. Are there, do those things, um, cause obviously turnovers are, are more of a random occurrence, but if you're generating great pressure and your coverage grades are good, does that just, do those things maybe predict that we could see ourselves being an above average team from a turnover perspective as the season rolls along? Yeah. I mean, I think so. You, you know, when you look at like just things that, you, you know, and I don't know if Xavier Rhodes has basically, um, you know, just this is a noisy part of his game, but he, you know, the fact that Julio Jones is only able to generate one target in his coverage, you know, was extremely encouraging and, uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, when you look at, um, you know, the ability of Daniil Hunter, you know, he was, I believe, led the NFL this week or was second in, in pressures generated. Pressure's a pretty sticky thing. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to get the turnovers per se that they got the other day with the two Harris interceptions and then the, uh, you know, the, the the pressure and sacks that they got on Ryan. Um, uh, but uh, at the same time, like, I, I think that they have the ingredients to be a good defense. And to the degree that that will end up moving the needle in the NFL in 2019, I think that that bodes well for them. Um, you know, we've already one of the issues, though, we already see is, you know, Mackenzie Alexander is injured and even though it was, I think, encouraging, you know, the, uh, you know, the status update for him, you know, they're down to their backup nickel. Uh, you know, they already have depth issues along the defensive line and in the secondary. Uh, Mike Hughes is still not ready to play yet. Uh, and at linebacker, they have basically two guys uh, and then a bunch of, you know, and then they only have two backups for those two guys, three backups for those two guys. Um, so, you know, again, encouraging stuff, but, you know, it always is sort of a tenuous thing. And that's again, why it always sort of like rests on Kirk cousins uh, when push comes to shove. That is a fair point. That is a fair point. And uh, okay. So let's, let's want to, to kind of pull it back here. I want to talk to, to, I guess, Eric, we'll start with you on this one here because the Falcons are a team that I think most, when you look at them on paper are, they have talented players um, across the board. And so I just want to get your, your thoughts or your, or, or really, I guess, yeah, your, your, your thoughts on how we should look at this when you play a team like Atlanta that on paper seems to be a very talented team, but in week one they come out and they don't play up to their level of talent. 
Um, how do we project that team forward? And I'm really asking this really as we think about the matchup we're going into with Green Bay, which again is a team that looks to be a very talented team, looks to have done a lot of things on defense to, to bolster, make themselves better there. But they didn't come out and look very good in, in week one. So at this point, obviously, we have a tiny sample. But how much does that, that do those first games when the sample is small affect um, how we project forward versus the priors that we came into the season with? Well, you know, we rem- remember last year, week one, there were four times where a non a team that ended up not making a playoffs beat a team that ended up making the playoffs. So, for example, Cincinnati went ahead uh, and beat Indianapolis. You know, I, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Um, but, you know, like that happens, right? Like there, this is overreaction sort of week, right? And so you look and like, actually, like there wasn't a whole lot of carnage around the league. I mean, the Bears, the Browns, uh, and the Steelers and the Jets were sort of the, these teams um, that, you know, Buccaneers that faltered, right? But, you know, some of these like, you know, stalwart teams either crushed the team they played. You know, you can include Minnesota in that group. You can include New England. Uh, you know, um, you can include the Ravens and the Chiefs. But then a lot of other teams like just barely like, a, a, you know, survived in advance. The Eagles were down 17 nothing to Washington had to come back and win the chargers, you know, got taken into overtime by the Colts. Um, uh, the Seattle Seahawks were losing to Cincinnati uh, at halftime of that game, ended up coming back uh, and winning that game by one. And then we saw that what the saints did last night, uh, you know, coming back uh, to win that game as well. So, you know, there, there was, I think most of these teams held serve, but if you're looking at a team like Atlanta, you're looking at a team like Pittsburgh, um, you're looking at a team like Cleveland, like, if you're a, if you're one of those teams fan bases, you you know um, that you know these things often will just like be a blip on, on the radar. Um, remember 2015, the Vikings lost to Tim, Jim Tom Sula's uh, San Francisco 49ers 20 to three on Monday Night Football. That you know, and then they ended up going 11 and four and almost winning a playoff game. So you know that we've seen it all the time. It's just you know the the issue is the starting 0 and two is almost you know basically lethal. So if you're one of these teams. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, uh, are going to Atlanta next sun- Sunday night for for that game. That's gonna be a huge. That's a game is far bigger for the Atlanta Falcons than it is the Eagles. All right, so uh, let's spin this thing forward then, and uh, let's talk about the matchup that we have coming up here. Uh, we play the Packers. Nick, I know that you know in the off season you took a little bit of flack for uh, some of the thoughts you had about the uh, the Green Bay Packers, and then they came out in that that opening. Uh, opening game and and did not look particularly impressive so as we uh, kind of spin things forward to, to this next game what are your thoughts on on this matchup and what are you going to be looking for as we uh we finally do square off against the uh the packers now that you've you've seen a little bit of stuff on film and you've been able to look at and, and dissect maybe you know tiny samples of, uh, of the data that we have so far Yeah, the the offense certainly, the Packers offense certainly didn't look impressive. And granted, it was in Chicago versus that Chicago defense that maybe they did lose a few guys and they lost their play caller, but they still are very talented. So uh, maybe the Bears will continue to be a very uh, stifling defense. So maybe the Packers offense, we can't conclude too much off of just, just that one game. But the defense did look good. And, you know, there it's the converse, you know, okay, you, you went up against Mitch Trubisky. They weren't a very particularly talented offense last year either and uh, Mitch had a particularly bad game um uh through um 
not too much credit up the Packers. So um, I think in contrast with the Falcons, one of the problems with the Falcons is they just weren't like defending the edge, which is kind of a big no-no when you're trying to defend the run. And that's why Cook had so much success running to the outside. It's those guys either just were late to the edge or they weren't setting the edge and, and Cook was able to bounce it outside every time. So um, the Packers probably will key in on that. And if you try to run it up the gut, Kenny Clark is, uh, he looks like one of the best all around noses in the NFL right now, which is, um, and he, he offers especially, uh, he's, he's, he's especially nasty in pass protection, uh, or as a, the, in the, as a pass rusher. So, um, that's scary. I thought, um, Jair Alexander looked good and I thought their new safety, Darnell Savage had a really good game too. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the secondary. And then Mike Patton is kind of a very creative schemer. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the threat of Dalvin Cook. Obviously, I think that's the guy they want to key in on. It'll be interesting to see if Stefanski instead switches everything up and goes, okay, I know I was super run heavy last week, but we can win through the air. Maybe this is the way to do it with, um, you know, depending on uh, if John Hey, uh, hey, Nick. I'm not sure what just happened there, but uh, just that last, the last little bit that you were saying there just got a little bit muffled. Uh, it sounded like you were talking about maybe Jair, uh, Jair Alexander and how he was going to match up, but just the last bit I lost you. <laughs> yep, you're perfect now. Yeah, my bad. Can you hear me? Am, am I good, nope, or am I good. still am I still ducking out? Okay, sorry. Technical difficulties. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see um, if Stefanski goes more pass-heavy in this one because Jair Alexander is a good corner, but I'm not too confident in the Packers co- second in the Packers cornerbacks after that, and I'm pretty confident that whoever is not being covered by Jair Alexander, whether it's Diggs or whether it's Thielen, last week Diggs was the one drawing Desmond Trufant, the Falcons' number one corner, but one of those guys is going to be a very lethal threat through the air. So it'll be interesting to see if that's how they go. And then on defense, you know, you have uh, so many classic matchups. You have Everson Griffin, who always gives David Bakhtiari uh, grief. Fock is maybe, is maybe the best left tackle in the NFL. But Griffin, for whatever reason, just always, that's always um, a good matchup. And then you've also got um, Xavier Rhodes versus Devontae Adams. Rhodes uh, said Adams was one of the top three receivers in the NFL, and they've had some really great back and forth. Adams has w- caught some touchdowns and, and made some big plays, and Rhodes is also had some pretty stifling performances. So that's a fun one to watch. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of interesting one-on-one matchups, I think, that we'll see from this game. So uh, I think it's uh, there's a lot to be excited about, and I think it should be a very close and very interesting game to watch. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you a very easy follow-up question here. Is, uh, is Aaron Rodgers washed? Uh, I don't think there's really any other conclusion you can have at this point. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even down to like the Hail Mary he had, his arm strength did not look the same. Um, you know, what was so lethal about the Packers back in the day was, you know, Randall Cobb could absolutely slice you over the middle of the field. Jordy was sort of this all around player that can beat you over the top, but also kill you with possession. Uh, you know, their tight ends have been kind of meh, but, you know, when Jermichael Finley was good, you know, Rodgers really leaned on him. Uh, their backs out of the backfield were lethal. Uh, and Rodgers is good at dumping it off to them. And then you had guys like James Jones uh, and Devontae Adams doing their thing. And now it's basically Devontae Adams, uh, the, the shell of Jimmy Graham and a bunch of no-names at receiver, right? So that doesn't help. 
The offensive line is also, even though Bakhtiari is terrific, it's not nearly as good from left to right uh, as it had been in the past. Uh, you know, when you talk about like guys like TJ Lang uh, and Josh Sitton and so forth. So, um, you know, now that offense is far less good. And I think mm-hmm. Rodgers has taken a step back and to the point of, you know, he, he developed so many bad habits when he was when he was playing, uh, you know, with McCarthy at the end there. Uh, you know, it, it, I just don't know if he's redeemable at this point. So uh, he's n- hasn't played great against the Vikings since 2016, uh, about Christmas Eve of that year. If you throw that game out, it's been all the way back to basically 2011, uh, 2013, 2014 that he's played really well uh, against the Vikings. So, um, you know, he'll have if, – if the Packers are going to win, they're probably going to have to do so uh, it, it, in a different way. Their defense is going to have to play probably just as well as it played the other day. Um, and uh, and the Vikings are going to have to slip up a little bit, and, and the home field advantage is going to have to be bigger than we anticipate. So of the stats that mattered, and I don't know how much you've dug into this, but of the stats that matters, I guess, how does Rodgers look versus Cousins? Like, are, are we at a point where we can start to say that maybe, you know, Kirk Cousins uh, is starting to ascend to be, you know, the, the best quarterback in the NFC North, which is something that would have seemed laughable last season? I mean, the way that it's looking now, I mean, he probably is going to be the quarterback of the best team. I mean, the Vikings are easily the favorites to win the North now uh, through my simulation. Uh, and, you know, I think Rodgers is going to still be the most talented, but the guy that gets the, the most results will be, ironically, Cousins if, the, if it remains to stay the same that it has been. And uh, what was that? I, I sound like I heard a little chuckle from you there, Nick. What was that all about? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's I, I don't I haven't t- dived into the Aaron Rodgers film enough to make heads or tails of what the heck is going on there, because obviously we saw we saw somebody who was maybe the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. And then for the last few years, he's just been languishing and he he doesn't throw the ball. He just holds it forever and then throws it away. He doesn't execute the play designs. He's um He's he's basically just like not executing. He's not throwing. He's not doing his job, and it's it's really weird to see. And we thought all this would be solved with Matt Lafleur coming in, or at least that was the narrative. I didn't really buy into it because Lafleur was his offense was bad last year, um, but that was supposed to fix it. And instead, we kind of got the same old Rogers holding onto the ball, not taking shots. Although the guys, you know, they weren't wide open, but they were open. So it's um. It's weird to make heads or tails up, so I, I don't know. We'll we'll continue to monitor yeah, it and see, see what I guess happens. We shouldn't get too filled with hubris before like vintage Rogers comes back in this game. But um, all right. So those are the things we're gonna, yeah, where he just like snaps back. It happens in the once zone a year, and, uh, right? Yeah, once but it's a year, he's been a that, like we expect so. to be okay. Like, which what's the worst team on Whether our schedule? Andrew Luck, or it'll probably be them. I mean, that's usually how that goes. Well, all right, gentlemen, uh, we, we made it through this one. We talked through, I think, the things that people have been most curious about as it pertains to, uh, yeah, I guess the, the numbers and what we can actually take away and what things are, are, are predictive for us as we move forward. I guess last thing I want to ask Eric before we get out of here, because obviously something we talked about a lot in the offseason, um, not just here, but a lot of different places, like, mm, should we be nervous, the age of the defense? 
Um, and so obviously the first game came, everyone played really, really well. The defense was fast. Everson Griffin's motor was still going uh, well into the fourth quarter, even though he probably should have been sitting down at that point. Um, when we talk about age, is that something that shows up right away or is that typically something that shows up as the season carries on? Like do older teams slow down more than younger teams or is that something that we've, uh, that we've dug into uh, from an analytic perspective? That's not something I've dug into, but anecdotally, it does seem like it is something that, you know, goes away. Like, so I think of like the 2015 Broncos, I think Eli Manning was a disaster in that season, but he was, you know, workable in the first few weeks and then fell off a cliff. Uh, so, you know, with guys like Griffin. Did and you say Eli or, Eli or Peyton? In 2015, it was Peyton, right? He won the Super Bowl despite being okay, yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. benched for Brock yeah. Osweiler. Um, and, you know, so I think about with like Griffin, you know, he he might have some performances here at the beginning of the season that are stellar, but I, you know, I would be worried about down the stretch and I do hope the Vikings sort of like give him, you know, something in the way uh, of, you know, a break every once in a while. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I guess the same question, um, and again, throwing you guys, putting you guys on the spot here, but it's something we talk about. A lot, and one of the things as teams move towards uh, the, these committees, where you know one running back doesn't get all the carries, because you used to hear about the the rookie wall all the time. That at some point in the season, the the players would just kind of fall off because they're not used to the extended NFL season. But Dalvin Cook, you know him being you know on the field later in the game from a workload perspective, is that something again when we look at running backs um, as the season goes along, do running backs' performances start to tail off, or is that just something that's kind of anecdotally always existed but never actually been proven by the numbers you know i've never studied that particular question you know i mostly just because i i think it's uh you know there's so many confounders there that it's almost never probably the running back it's almost always probably the um the uh you know the offensive line or the scheme or more penalties like we saw last season just a lot more penalties um by uh, you know, by teams, you know, down the stretch. And that's why scoring was down after about Thanksgiving. So, um, no, I, it's a good question, though, for sure. Awesome, gentlemen. Uh, that is it. That is all. We are back. Real games to watch, real games to talk about, real numbers to dig into. Nick's writing articles again. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. Vikings are 1-0, and and... Uh, the Packers don't look particularly frightening. So uh, let's knock on wood and hope that we keep this this positive momentum going into this week. And uh, before we go, Nick, you mentioned you might be writing an article. Is that something we should be looking for this week? Where should we be looking for it? Uh, talk to me, man. Yeah, it'll drop on Vikings territory. Nicholas, I've, Nicholas, I've, I've lost you again. I've lost you again. It sounded like you said, but there, there we go. There we go. We're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Sorry. I, I got to invest in a, in a good microphone. Uh, I, I, I'll, it'll probably drop on Vikings territory depending on, and depending on how oh, efficiently awesome. I can bang it out. Awesome. It might well, even drop tomorrow. Times offline. So, I might just we'll set up see. a call with you so I can talk about all the fun stuff you're doing in, uh, in R just cause, uh, yeah, you, you're, you're doing the Lord's work and it looks fun. Eric, now that the season is in full swing, I know in the offseason, yeah. especially this offseason, it looked like you got to do some really fun things, digging in, deep dives, uh, deep analysis, that sort of things. But now that you're in the swing of the actual season, what sort of things should we be looking out for you 
Uh, are you going to have time to write, or is it mostly just going to be digging into the the analysis and 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 getting you know the green line stuff and and whatever you might have to do for fantasy, et cetera, during the season? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's putting out fires with software that we've made, uh, and that was this first couple weeks. Uh, but you know, actually, a lot of it gets to be researched now because you know a lot of the things that we wanted to push into production uh have 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 been done so um you know we have a few things every week so peter king's column will give him like sort of this decision of the week uh and then we have a partnership with amazon web services so we had yesterday we had doug peterson with sort of like the decision of the week tomorrow we're going to have the tennessee titans as like sort of the biggest mover of the week in terms of probability to make the playoffs um, we have videos basically all the time, you know, gambling stuff, uh, fantasy stuff. And, uh, you know, we have two podcasts now. So we have a Thursday morning or Thursday podcast for previews of the games. And then George and I are there at Sunday night podcasting uh, basically for uh, a review of the week. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, those are, you know, those are, you know, fun things. And I honestly, you get, I, I think I get more time to do some of the cool things I want to do during the season because, you know, the, the immediate need to build something is not, is not there. Well, awesome. We'll be looking forward to all of that stuff and uh, listeners definitely check that out. Eric is doing great work over at PFF. The forecast is fun times. Once you understand, you know, the show, the jokes, yeah. it, it is good times. Uh, the, the jokes. Yes. Uh, and, and most of the time they are jokes. So don't, you know, don't get in your feelings about it. It's, it's good times. You should uh, you should check it out. Nick, glad to have you back. Digging into stuff, writing articles. It's always a better place when you're putting out content. So definitely check that out, listeners, as well. And uh, stay tuned to uh, the Climbing the Pocket Network over here at Daily Norseman. We will continue to have shows dropping for you every day now that we are in season. All of them will have a slightly different slant on things. So definitely check them out. Scolders dropped yesterday. Flip dropping tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, the original show will drop the day after that. We'll have Fantasy on Saturday. Good morning, Gallahorn. Getting ready for the game on Sunday. And on and on we go. So thank you for riding with us thus far. We continue to be one of the faster-growing shows in SB Nation. Still top 20. That is all free, uh, based on uh, the, the support that you've given us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Nick, Eric, thanks for coming on tonight. And our listeners, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.